Rise and Shine Pinchers, welcome back to another episode of Just a Quick Pinch. I'm your host, Connie Wang. I am so excited, you guys. This is such a powerful episode. There's so many powerful moments, so many good takeaways from my guest, Diana. She is a nurse practitioner and also a coach and mentor for burnout prevention for healthcare workers. And she's just so talented at what she does. We chat all about my current struggles as a new grad. I share a little sentimental kind of um, tearful moment with her. Uh, She honestly, I recorded this fresh off the heels of having just like my first really bad day day and it was really tough and I'm really glad that I got to work through it with Diana because she just said everything I needed to hear and really helped me work through those difficult emotions Um, on top of that we also talk about you know finding self-confidence dealing with imposter syndrome and setting proper boundaries and avoiding burnout everything basically that you need to know in order to have a healthy fulfilling relationship with work and with yourself so without further ado let's get into our full episode with Diana hit it editing Connie Alrighty, Diana. So first of all, I want to hear how you ended up in such a unique career path because you were balancing both being an NP, but then also being a mentor to other nurses and NPs and a burnout prevention prevention coach. So tell me a bit about how you ended up here because it's such an awesome combination of both. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it was planned. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, so I actually was a career changer. So I um, worked in a lab out of college. Um, I thought I would do like the PhD route, like, you know, cancer research, all the things I worked at like a big cancer research, research, um, institution in Boston for a while. Um, it just wasn't for me. Mice was not my jam. Um, Mm. humans are much more my jam. (laughs) So I, um, I decided to go back to school, but I didn't know what for. And I was actually talking to my lab benchmate that kind of brought me clarity. He's like, why don't you be a nurse? You'd be really good at it. I'm like, I've never thought of that. So I kind of like, you know, did my research, like we all do, like, what do I like? What, you know, what's the role? Like, where can I work? What are the options? Blah, blah, blah. So I went back to school, um, did like a direct entry NP program. Cause I didn't want to drag it out. I know those are like controversial, but it worked out just fine. And, um, I graduated in the recession in 2009, which really sucked because there were like no jobs anywhere. And when I graduated, I was like, I will do anything but neuro and like ERICU kind of stuff. And of course, like here I am in neuro 13 years later. (laughs) (laughs) How is working in neuro? Are you liking it? I love it. I mean, I worked, so I worked in a Boston hospital for a while. This is kind of where my burnout story started. Um, I mm. will not bore you with the details because we're going to dive into like things to look out for for burnout. I was personally taken by surprise, which is a lot of why I do what I do now because it sucked. And I wish, I wish my program had set me up with like some tools for like basic burnout prevention, even just like what to look out for, red flags, things like that, because we were literally not told anything. There was no conversations about like clinician well being, boundaries work-life balance, anything, if anything, the, the messaging was the opposite of like, you know, you need to go out there, you need to succeed, you need to do what you have to do to like, do the best thing for your patients and all the things like that's kind of self-sacrifice mm-hmm. kind of talk. Um, yeah. So that just like spiraled me um, because I'm kind of like a perfectionistic person anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, and definitely when you're new, and I know we're going to talk about this, like when you're new, you're looking for that validation from other people around you. Like, you're like, I'm doing good, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm okay, right? Like, I'm not failing, right? Anyone? Like, <laughs> <universe>? <laughs> so, um, 
So yeah, so I burned out in my first MP job. I switched from like inpatient outpatient. I had like a hybrid role. I was on like, I managed like the consult um, service on the weekends and like during the week on a few days. But I, um, I transitioned to outpatient back in 2014 because it just, it worked better for me and mm. I haven't looked back. It's my 10 year anniversary this year. So it's been great. Oh I gosh. love it. Yeah, I love it. So anyway, so in terms of like the mentorship stuff, so I, yeah. you know, I had kids, I was like totally like head down grind, you know, do the thing, do the thing. Cause like, honestly, for anyone who has kids out there, you know, like it's a blur. You have no idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> so, finally, after three years, my kids were like old enough where I'm like, Oh, hi world. I'm back. And that's mm. when I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. Like all my friends are burned out. What the hell happened? Like, what is going on? <laughs> what happened while I was gone? Yeah. <laughs> and like, and no one, I mean, people talk about it obviously now. And there were a few people talking about it back in 2019 on Instagram and stuff, but like not, there wasn't a whole lot of conversation about it. And a lot of it was like, yo, do self care. Like take your bubble baths. Go for it. Like it was, <laughs> it was like not the top tier self care stuff, right? Like self care is great, yeah. but like, I'm talking like, like, Someone needed to talk about like the real stuff, like boundary setting, having these difficult conversations, like identity and like where we are in terms of like how we identify ourselves and how we're so tied to our roles and how we just have to like cut the cord. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to start a blog. I don't know if anyone's going to read it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Didn't have an Instagram. Finally, I was like, all right, I'll check this whole Instagram thing out. <laughs> <laughs> this whole newfangled thing. Yeah, I'm like an old lady. What are the young kids doing these days? On the Instagram. Also, yeah, so I just did that. Screwed up, like, signing up for the thing in the first place. So the name I wanted got screwed up. But anyway, here we are. We've all been there. Three years later, and, you know, it's been such a great journey. I, like, absolutely love. And, you know, obviously, like, my platform, a lot of it is nursing-specific, but it's really not, like... I connect mm. with people from like literally every corner of healthcare, like whether it be like patient facing, administrate, whatever, like you name it, yeah. like talk to every specialty under the sun, um, like even like vets, <laughs> teachers. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Because all of these tools and all of this, like these, these things that you can do in your own life to help prevent burnout and also like heal from burnout and really prioritize yourself. Mm. Um, pertains to all of us it's really like a human thing i feel like working in healthcare is just so crazy because it's like at the end of the day it pays the bills and it's a job just like other people's jobs right but when it comes to healthcare we have to take on this identity from day one from the second we graduate and get our degree and license we have to take it feels like we have to take on this identity of being like the hero and it's really exhausting because we're just people trying to help people Mm -hmm. And that's really all it is. We're trying our best. Um, but a big reason why I wanted to have you on is, you know, like, I'm a new grad. You know, I had a I had a really hard day yesterday. It was probably, like, my first, like, really, really hard day of, like, ever of, like, working as a dentist. And something that was, like, it, it just dawned on me. I'm like, I feel like I literally just got, got my license, like, two weeks ago. And then all of a sudden, I have to have all these answers. Mm -hmm. So how do you help people in terms of, like, self-confidence? navigate feeling and like coming across to their patients their boss and their whole team as confident when inside like I'm not confident like I don't mm -hmm. I haven't seen a lot of these things before mm -hmm. well first of all welcome you are human <laughs> thank you <laughs> like that is a completely normal human response like confidence is something we build over time like it's a muscle that you use and you'll flex it and you'll gain confidence as you move through the profession the fact that you 
feel like the way you're feeling obviously sucks because it feels crappy because you want to be like a lot of it is like the messaging that we've received right we we have so much pressure on ourselves to excel to succeed we're in school like you've got to get the good grade you've got to do this you've got to do that you've got to pass your boards like there are expectations and when Mm -hmm. you graduate it's like hard to like unwire that right away right it's Mm -hmm. like okay, well, what's the next expectation of me? Because I've been like, boom, 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 boom. And a lot of it exactly. for us have been, has been since like childhood, you know? Yeah. So it's like when we graduate and we're out in the world, we're out of the nest, part of it, and this is something I talk about with my clients a lot because this is so, it's like that imposter syndrome slash confidence slash perfectionism slash people pleasing slash, like there's all these things, right, that come up. Yeah. But, you know, part of it is, aligning with allies, right? So asking for feedback and like, hopefully there's people in your practice who, you know, are mentoring you or supporting you in some way, shape or form where they can give you positive and feedback that you can grow from, right? Because part of it is like, we want to take action because that's how we Mm. build confidence. If we just sit around and like ruminate over the fact that we're not good enough, like nothing's going to change. So we have have to take action. And sometimes that action is going to be like amazing. You're going to be like, wow, this procedure was something I just learned and I killed it. And it was awesome. Or like, wow, I really think I fucked that up. Like, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, we're allowed to swear on here. Don't worry. We do. (laughs) (laughs) Like, but the thing is, like, we learn from mistakes. And I know we're going to talk about this, right? Like, like, failure is feedback. Feedback is neutral. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just neutral. It just is. That, that's like a line that I really do struggle with is like, okay, how, because I want to think about it because I want to learn from it, but how do I think about it without ruminating about it? I either know how to shove something down and not think about it until it like blows up or I only know how to like completely right. ruminate about something. Well, but the thing is, is like when we fail or when we make a mistake or whatever, which we're going to do because we're humans, it's mm-hmm. going it, to, it will happen. Like it a hundred percent will happen. The issue is we then make it about whether we're a good or a bad person. It's not about the thing itself. We, we, and this is we, like we all do this. It's not just a you thing. And yeah, we make it bigger than it is. It's like not a, hey, I like that note was kind of messed up and I screwed up the sentence or whatever it was. It's like, wow, I'm a really bad X, Y, Z because of this, that, the other thing. Like we have to separate our identity from these things because we a don't deserve that we really Mm -hmm. don't like we we oftentimes put ourselves so so down and we feel Mm -hmm. the guilt which then spirals into shame right guilt is just like oh i feel bad about xyz shame Mm -hmm. is i'm a bad person because of xyz there's a difference Mm -hmm. so when we make mistakes it's about saying okay cool like this sucks and we can sit in the suck it's okay to sit in the suck right Mm -hmm. You can cry, you can feel terrible, whatever you have to do, that's fine. Talk to your allies if you have them, that's great. And then you've gotta just like pull it, like get a bird's eye view, like kind of like (laughs) remove yourself from the equation. Like, okay, cool. If this was my best friend, like what would I say? Or if this was my colleague, Mm. what would I say? Like, how can I learn from this? Because I am a human being, like I'm gonna make mistakes, but if I'm lucky enough, I will learn from those mistakes and maybe you'll screw it up again. Like, again, there's no way to know, but if we Mm -hmm. don't like take that bird's eye view and just remove ourselves in that like shameful, like, wow, you're a terrible person or you're never going to succeed at this. Like all those limiting beliefs, 
that we, again, that are already there. We're just looking for evidence to make those true. Like, oh, I'm not good enough. Da, 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 da. It's like, you know, when I'm on the beach looking for sea glass, what you focus on, you find. If you're looking yeah. for stuff to say, you're failing, you suck. You're going to feel like you suck because you're going to see all those little mistakes that you make. But if you're like looking for the things that you're actually excelling at, which I'm sure mm -hmm. outweigh the things that you're sucking at, then you're going to feel so much more empowered. So that's why like in mentorship, we celebrate our wins every Wednesday and the wins don't mm -hmm. have to be like anything crazy. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I won the lottery. It can be like, yo, I didn't cry today. That was great. <laughs> like, or hey, yeah. like I actually cried during my shift, you know, like that can be a yeah, yeah. Um, or it can be like, hey, I stood up for myself and asked for what I needed. Like, it's so empowering when you take these actions that are in alignment with your values mm -hmm. and pull you out of your comfort zone. And then you start to build that confidence muscle because you see that you don't burst into flames. You know, what's so interesting is as you're explaining this all, what I'm realizing is as humans, we're like, we're like very multifaceted, right? We have like so mm -hmm. many different aspects of ourselves, but I feel like, like, why do we jump straight to be, to label ourselves as good or bad? Like, like, what are some better labels we can say about ourselves? Like, I'm a compassionate provider. I'm a patient mm -hmm. provider. Mm -hmm. Like, what? Like, why do we just jump to good versus bad? Right. And, you know, so the first thing we do in mentorship is we talk about who you be versus what you do. And mm. it's, it's all about, like, identity, right? So, like, it's even like, you know, we label, we love to label ourselves. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I'm a procrastinator. No, you're not a procrastinator. You have a habit of procrastinating. That is not your identity, oh, you know? And this is totally like in, in healthcare when they're like, you're not like a diabetic, you're a patient with diabetes. Yes. But, you know, we, mm -hmm. again, we do it for others, but we're like not willing to do it for ourselves. Yeah. Like, why are we like this? <laughs> <laughs> so I think a lot of it comes back to like being self-aware, like having that emotional intelligence to like know who you are and mm. when you see yourself looking for that evidence of things that where you're sucking look for the things that are good well this is actually something that has really been a struggle of being a new grad is all of a sudden my sense of self and identity is totally gone because you know before when I'm in my comfort zone in school or whatever mm -hmm. it's like I really felt like I could be myself with my patients and I feel like I finally hit that good groove but then now that I'm released into the wild you know I have a lot of other things going on in my head and I kind of feel like I'm so in my head now that um, it almost doesn't give me the space to be myself and, you know, be the best provider I can be because in my head while the patient's talking, I'm like, did I say that right? Did they hear me right? Like, why did I say it like that? Oh my God, I shouldn't, you know, there's like, I'm so in my head that I can't be myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that inner chatter will, will quiet over time. And what mm. I would suggest, because I was, I, oh my God, I remember like graduating and literally, I'm not even joking. I would like... <laughs> write out my whole I would get a piece of paper and write out my whole note we had to use like dictation because it was like the hospital you know like whatever oh, okay yeah yeah so now we use that you know um dragon and epic whatever but um mm -hmm. I would write out my whole note like long hand <laughs> just like write out the whole thing and then I would get my microphone next like, visit me 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 like oh my god that's so cute and then I would <laughs> go into the stupid dictation thing and then edit it do you know how much time? Oh my god! Like, I Wait, I can't that. believe you like wrote a script and then you. <laughs> yeah. Testing the mic. Talk about like nerves, right? Now so I'm like, you just get it done. Like, okay. Trust the fact that a it gets easier each day. You get better at what you're doing. You hone in on your craft. The inner chatter is something where you, I find, the best way to manage inner chatter is mm -hmm. to like 
debrief in some way, shape or form. So it's very hard because that's how like you've probably been wired for a while, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So it's hard to just be like, poof, bye, their chatter. Like, oh my God, I'm going to do some <laughs> deep breathing and you're going to be gone. No, that's not, yeah, yeah. that's not how it works. So what I would suggest is again, like doing like a, like a pre shift, like debrief, do a brain dump, whatever it is. And brain dumping is literally like, you have no agenda. You just sit with a journal and like write whatever's on your mind. And a lot of it's going to be that like inner shit talking, you know, yeah. like, let's be real. So like, just like let it out. <laughs> Yeah, let it out. And then, you know, if you have time between patients, just take a second and be like, okay, like I, like, you, it sounds like you're very self-aware. So taking like five minutes between patients to be like, okay, is this a feeling or is this a fact? Mm. Like who told you that? Where did that thought come from? Because a lot of times when you actually sit, because the spiral is the spiral. It's really hard mm -hmm. to like make sense of the spiral when you're in the spiral. It's like when okay. you're in fight or flight, you're not gonna be like, oh, let me like have a rational thought. No, you need to like simmer. <laughs> you need to simmer. That would be nice. A right? rational thought. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. But like, that's how our brain is wired. So think about it. Like when you're in fight or flight, there's so many things happening like physiologically in your body, right? Like you mm -hmm. have all these hormones pumping through, like your body thinks there's danger, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's yeah. like danger, danger. Maybe there isn't really danger. Maybe it's like, you're seeing your first patient or you're you're having your first day on the job and you feel like that like <gasps> like that mm -hmm. is a normal physiological like response that your body has when it perceives a threat whether that's a mm -hmm. real threat or not sure it's not a saber-toothed tiger but it's still scary to go see your first patient <laughs> let's be honest yeah so, oh my gosh yeah yeah so when you're like in that mode you can't think like clearly you have to give it a second and then have a little bit of a debrief where you can say, okay, is like, what's real? What's not? What is perception? What is real? Like your patient, I'm, I'm telling you right now, they're probably not like, what an idiot. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. There's right. going to be people that are rude, but I'm telling you, like, we are so much harder on ourselves. And I guarantee you, like, if you sit down and think, okay, was this a feeling or is this a fact? you can probably find zero evidence to support the fact that you were failing, that they, they didn't understand you. Were they answering your questions? Yes. Okay. Then they probably were understanding you. Did they ask you questions? Sure. Then they trust you. They think you're a reliable clinician. They wouldn't be asking you questions if they didn't feel that way. Right. You know, so you have to look at the evidence again, that supports the more empowering version of the story. Not the, I okay. suck at life. I'm a new grad. I'm failing. Right. It's like, okay, how did I show up? How am I now going to take this information and learn from it? What can I do to support myself in terms of my confidence moving forward? You know, so you don't like self-sabotage and things like that. It sounds like a lot of what you're saying is you just have to be a lot more intentional with like what, how the, the story and the outcome you want to perceive from it. Like, I really liked how you said it's kind of like, okay, like support the story that is the empowering one, not the one where you're the worst or, you know, anything like that. I think what, something that's hard for me to kind of figure out is, like, there is days where, well, uh, yesterday was my first day of yeah, having yeah, yeah. Yeah. where, like, someone's just, like, really mean to you, but, like, but I know, like, I know they're just, sometimes people are just like that. You know, there's mm -hmm. certain people that you can't always please. Or, like, for example, I have this fear of, like, oh, like, getting a bad review or things like that, yeah, right? you will. But those things are, like, so <laughs> out of, right. No, yeah, I'm like, no, like, they will, they will happen. Like, you have to prepare. This is the thing. It's, like, Again, we want to excel. We are all like type A go-getters. Mm -hmm. We want to be good at what we do. 
You know, we are so proud of what we do and we've worked really hard to get here, but I'm telling you right now, you're gonna, you're gonna get a bad review and it's gonna sting, it's gonna suck, but it's gonna happen. You are gonna have people that are mean to you. I remember yeah. vividly crying in my like first boss's office because the patient was mean oh. to me. I literally cried in his office. Mostly because I was fine until he was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not okay. <laughs> That's exactly what happened to me like five minutes before this podcast was I had a really hard day yesterday. And then my boss is like the sweetest. And then he called me. He's like, I just want to see how you're doing. Like, are you okay? And then like, this like, literally ah! makes me want to cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. The emotions are very no, fresh. <laughs> this is so normal. Like I'm saying, I literally had the same experience where it was like this. He looks like a dad. He's like this, you know, old, old school neurologist. And he's like, he's like, are you okay? And then, no, I'm not okay. And then, of course, <laughs> like, I can't articulate anything because I feel like an idiot. And then waterworks. Like, when in, yeah. <laughs> when in doubt, tears is, like, my motto. But you're definitely not alone. The, the weird thing is, like, I go through periods because, like, I know it's okay and I, like, know it's normal. But I still can't help but, like, feel upset about it. So it's kind of just, like, like you know how you were saying, is it feelings or is it facts? Like, mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to feel like this. <laughs> no, no. So, okay. When it comes to like rude patients, let's talk about that. Cause I think this is something that a lot of us come in contact with and, and it can be really upsetting. It can be really, really upsetting. Um, I've had some really mean patients in my day in 13 <laughs> years, but there's not, I would say they're the anomaly. Like they're not typically, you know, the person who you see the most, but when it happens, it can be, it can be rough. And you know, there's a lot of like, I know like our nurses that I work with take a lot of abuse over the phone. You know, there's a lot of like really toxic stuff out there and there's a few ways that you can handle it. So first of all, sometimes the rudeness is because they're just like dealing with their own stuff. You know, like when people Mm -hmm. come to me in neuro, like they don't want to be there. You know, That's they're true. scared, they're nervous, and right. they're like kind of on edge. And they, they, some people have been burned by various providers or told that they're crazy, you know, mm-hmm. and they're coming to us for a second opinion. So, you know, it's like, sometimes it's just the patient's experience has not been ideal. And they're like, from the get go, just like questioning you. And it, you could be anyone. It's not Mm -hmm. a you problem. It's a them problem, right? So sometimes it's a matter of like, again, saying, okay, this is not a me issue. Right. I need to be, to get a little curious, ask questions. Like that's kind of how I do things is, you know, if I can sense a patient is a little like rough around the edges, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I often will get curious. You know, I'll ask them, like, what are your biggest concerns today? Like, tell me what, you know, what's on your mind? Like, what, like, are you nervous about something in particular? That actually, that uh-huh. question can tell you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, well, I was reading this article and I think I have MS. And you're like, okay, okay. <laughs> so let's start there. You know, where they're like, I have Parkinson's. I know I have Parkinson's. You're like, you definitely hundred percent do not have Parkinson's, but like, let's explore. You're like, them. let's unpack this. <laughs> right. But like a lot of times, once you unpack what the thing is that they're like, then you can kind of get, they leave feeling great, heard all the things. A lot of people have Mm. not been heard and not been like shown that kind of, or not had a thorough exam. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've had a patient say to me, I've never had 
like a neuro exam like that before. Like, and I've seen like five neurologists, you know? So it's like making people feel cared for and like not presuming that you're the issue. Like Mm. the presumption should be like, okay, like they were meeting me for the first time. Like I'm probably not the problem here. Mm. You know, if let's say, yeah, you screw up or you do something to the communication that you're giving, you can tell that the patient is escalating again. Yeah. Reel it in, say, you know, I'm sensing that you're frustrated. Like, is there something that you wanted to talk about? Like, did I, you know, did I communicate something that, you know, upset you? Are you, you know, are you clear on what I'm, you know, the plan of care? Like, get curious about why they're upset. And sometimes you can remedy it pretty easily. Other times it's like, I'm mad about the phones. Like, no one answers the phone (laughs) at your practice, you know? And then it's like, okay, well, this isn't a me problem, but I can still help this patient you know, you can yeah. say like, Hey, let me get the practice manager, you know, for you. And you can talk about that or what, or I offer it. Like, would you like to speak to? And a lot of times mm-hmm. they're like, no, I just needed to get it off my chest. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, well, I'm glad you did. <laughs> right. So, I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios, but again, mm-hmm. I think when, when we're new and that imposter syndrome is so deep, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, we are walking in there like, I do not belong here yeah like who am I to be here who am I to have been hired by this practice to do this job Mm -hmm. but again if you look at the evidence that supports the more empowering story they hired you for a reason because you're freaking awesome you're very like smart you passed your boards you did your program whatever it is like you can think of all those things the evidence that supports the more empowering story they wouldn't have hired you if they thought you were an idiot yeah so two You've had a hell of a lot of day ones before. I bet if you actually sat down and thought about all the day ones you've had before, mm-hmm. you probably felt the same way. And think about where you were on day 100. Mm-hmm. Probably feeling so pretty good. You know, I, I so was actually thinking about that at like the dog park today. I was like, I've forgotten. I've had hard days before. <laughs> it's like so easy to forget and be, be like, this is the worst hard day ever. But I'm like, I totally have felt this hopeless and sad before. <laughs> yeah. And you know, feeling sad and hopeless, like the emotion itself isn't a bad thing, right? The emotion mm-hmm. itself is telling you something. It's like, okay, well, where is this coming from? Like, why am I really upset here? Mm-hmm. You know, like... Is it about the fact that this patient was mean to me or is it because it made me feel really stupid and I feel like I'm failing? I think, you know what it is? I was like kind of unpacking it in the park, at least for me. Um, It's actually like less of a hopelessness and it's more of a, I think I just, and for like many reasons, I just have this deep seated fear of like upsetting authority. And the problem is like when you work in healthcare, your patients are not only your patients, but in some way they have some sort of, I'm I'm trying to work on it. But it feels like they have a grip on me because like, I want to please them. And I know I can't please everyone, but that's, it makes the relationship tough, tough, you know? It is. Yeah. When when it's not going well. Right. And it's hard because you're going in there already with this bias of like, you know, wanting to please versus wanting to like, listen and kind of unpack and get curious with things because, you know, like if if that patient comes in and says, Hey, I think I have Parkinson's and you're like, yeah, you know, maybe you do like, cause you want to make them not feel, you know what I mean? Like then it can be really toxic. (laughs) It's like that perception is coming from somewhere. And it probably, Mm -hmm. again, like all these kind of limiting beliefs and all this kind of this messaging that we've received generally goes back years and years and years and years and years, right? Where we wanted to please our parents or we, 
you know, we receive certain messaging about like, you know, don't be too loud or don't like talk back to adults or don't do this, don't do that. And like now those are things like as an adult, we have to like deprogram ourselves because we're allowed to use our voice. We're allowed to as women we have to <laughs> no exactly and it's about giving like kind of anointing yourself when it comes mm-hmm. to that power um but I really think for you especially like that question is this a feeling or is this fact it will be a really powerful question because I think a lot of times you'll see it's just the feeling and feelings aren't real <laughs> like it's just feelings have always been like my worst enemy I'm a cancer that's like my horoscope sign what's yeah. your horoscope <laughs> I'm a Libra Oh my god, I love Libras. You guys are you guys are the best. Um, but <laughs> you guys really are. But uh, that's actually something that I think makes working in healthcare in general hard is like when you're doing these very like these things that can elicit feelings and emotion because you care about your patients, right? And then you have to do them back to back to back because like the volume, maybe it's a busy day. What are some good little, like, tangible things that you can do? You know, when you do get a break, like, in the bathroom or in the break room, when you get that, like, five minutes of peace to yourself, Mm -hmm. what can you do to make sure that you're not spilling over into, like, the next patient and letting negative things, like, get to Mm -hmm. you? So, to be honest, I think the most powerful thing you can do in five minutes, and it doesn't matter what you fill it with, is just to literally take a pause. Like, just Mm. stop moving (laughs) for a second, (laughs) you know? Uh Slow down just slow down. And with that, mm-hmm. you can like ground yourself. Like at work, if I'm like really like spiraling, I will literally mm-hmm. go, f- I'll do what I call a lap. It's just the, the floor like that I work on is kind of like a figure eight. So mm-hmm. I'll just go and I oh, walk fun. <laughs> and I walk slowly. It's actually funny. One of our attendings, like we, we run the headache <laughs> clinic. <laughs> we run the headache clinic. He's one of my favorite people. He's so nice. Um, but we, so we go with staff at, you know, the patient, we see the patient and we go get the physician and then we kind of both go in the room and finish up whatever. And we were walking from his office to my exam room. And I was just like taking that time again to slow the F down. And he, he looks at me, he's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. It's so funny. And I was like, it's called mindful walking. And he's like, all right. So he slows down we're walking and then we get, we turn the corner. He's like, Okay, this is actually really nice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like also so not intuitive because I it's feel like not. a lot of us are very go, go, go. Go, like, go. Yeah. We are like living we... in a state of emergency at all times. And the reality <laughs> is that like the slowdown does not really impact your day unless you're like on your way to a code. Like you can, yeah. if you're going to pee, you can take another two, three minutes to do some breathing in the bathroom, do it at your desk, wherever you can find like a quiet space in, in the stock mm. wherever you are. You can take some deep breaths. You can do box breathing. That's one of my favorite tools to use. Oh, yeah. Can you can you tell everybody about box breathing? Yeah. So you basically – so this was like a Navy SEAL thing, I think, is where it like kind of got like invented. There's a – first of all, there's a bunch of different like breathing techniques that you can use. It's really just to kind of like bring your nervous system down to a place of like peace. But basically mm-hmm. you want to inhale for four seconds. So picture like a box. So inhale four Hold for four, breathe out four, pause for four. Four, 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 four. So hold so for in, four. So hold. Four. Pause. Oh, I see. So the breathing in is that last line. I was trying to figure out like exactly. what the line. Okay. So, so breathe in. Breathe in. Hold. Hold. Yeah. Exhale. And hold. then pause. 
exactly for four seconds yeah oh, that is awesome i love that it's, that that'll be good to do it's my favorite one um sometimes like and there's a lot of techniques like um one that i use when i worked in the hospital is mm-hmm. when i was just like seeing i saw so many patients it was crazy like i would do this um two feet one breath so before i entered a room i would just like look at my feet so you again bring mm-hmm. yourself back to your body out of your head two feet and take a deep breath and then you can walk in the room you can partner breathing with like washing your hands so you can like habit stack things so you know you there's like some accountability so you can do it throughout the day um you know if you want to take time at your lunch break to do it that's fine but i find that breathing techniques are really helpful i also find like music for me is really helpful like at the end of the Mm. day if i'm like really strung out when i'm charting i'll just like put on um like music without words or whatever. oh I like that yeah yeah um what else do I do um if I can I get outside even for five minutes and just like stand there and do some breathing um, that's actually super smart though to, th- to think about habit stacking because I feel like that's just something where like you know when I'm washing my hands I'm really like not thinking about anything or like I'm, I mean you know for the most well, part well you so, have like a, like, a couple time. minutes right you have a couple yeah minutes. so like if you can partner like every time you go to the bathroom or every time you wash your hands or you know, every time you check your email, but again, like you don't want to be checking your email a million times a day. Talk about time management. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> think about like things that you can do, or even at, like again, like have your pre-shift ritual and your post-shift ritual, um, which I also find really helpful. Yeah, that was something I actually really wanted to chat with you about. I loved your post about fighting the parking lot scaries. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was so funny, and this is a really good segue into talking about burnout because a lot of my audience that's listening is mm-hmm. thinking about transitioning careers. They're burnt out yeah. in healthcare. Um, or they're even burnt out in school. So first, let's 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 unpack fighting the parking lot scaries. Okay, so the parking lot scaries are basically when you pull into the parking lot before you even walk in the building, that fight or flight starts to kick in, right? We dread, oh my god, like what am I walking into? Like, oh my god, is so and so working? Maybe you have like a toxic mm. work environment, like whatever it may be. Oh my gosh, my schedule is so crazy today, or. Like, is someone, is the patient going to be rude to me and make me feel more, whatever it is, like it's the spiral starts. And then it, it's like, you just don't want to get out of your car. I had yeah. this for years when I was burned out. I literally, I remember just like walking to my, it was when I was living in Medford and I would oh. like walk to my car and I'm just like, oh my God, it wasn't even the parking lot scaries. It was just like, get up in the morning scaries where I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> wake up scaries. <laughs> here we go. Here we go again. It was like, you're walking to like the slaughterhouse, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's a terrible feeling. When you finally transitioned out of that job and you like woke up in the morning, did you have that moment where you're like, is this how it's always supposed to feel? Like, I, <laughs> like that wasn't normal to feel that? <laughs> yeah. So it's funny when you've been living in that state for a while, it makes it very hard to trust people. Um, mm. It took me a while. Um, and it, you know, it's one of the things I teach to my clients is like having kind of a little bit of a plan when you transition, because um, it's easy to feel like you're going to get burned again you know, it's like a bad relationship. It's like hard Mm. sometimes to be like, Oh, like I actually, one of my like really good friends from grad school, we talk, you know, most days she's like one of my closest friends. She is in kind of a toxic work environment, but she's like terrified. Mm. It's going to be, you know, worse. You know, it's like one of those, like, well, if I leave, like, what if it's a crazier work environment? It's like, well, there's things that you can like look out for when you're looking for jobs, questions you can ask in the interview process. Like you, there's stuff that you can try to screen your best that you can when you're transitioning. What are some of those things? Um, just like, what's the work like culture questions. like? Talk to as many okay. people as possible that are not leadership. 
Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, and literally. ironically, that's who you talk to the most when you're interviewing. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, like if whoever's in your role, talk to them, talk to the support staff, talk to the front desk, talk to everybody mm. and talk to them about like, hey, like, what's the culture like? Do you feel supported here? You know, what do people do you see people gossiping about other people? Like those kind of red flags can be really telling, um, you know, ask about like their time off policy, like do they have any, like, what do they do for clinician well-being within the practice? Like at my practice, we actually do quite a bit. And within the institution, yeah. there's like quite a bit. But if they're like, uh, what? <laughs> right, right. They're like, what are you Red talking flag. about? <laughs> <I> actually... <laughs> Waving the flag. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's actually a, um, a freebie on my site that's, it's for NPs, but it honestly would pertain to anyone working in healthcare. Mm -hmm. But it's a list of questions to ask that are really helpful when you're interviewing to ask to kind of screen for toxicity or like a high burnout potential environment. That's awesome. Well, so you actually bring up something that a lot of people ask, which is just kind of like, how do I know when is the right time to leave? And if this is something that like, I, that is the job problem? Mm -hmm. Or is this just the, the thing we signed up for? Because I think a lot of people are just like, I hate this career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where I was. Um, you know, when I was burned out, I 100% thought it was a me problem. Um, mm. I was like, I, cause I was new. Like I was, by when I left, it was four years in, but I didn't know, like I was burned out for years, but I didn't know. Like I didn't, I just thought this was how it was. You just don't know any better, right? Yeah. I was like, well, I guess this is just how it is. And I'm just failing. <laughs> um, cause there was no frame of reference. Right. That's why, again, mm. like I talk about it now, cause it's like, people should know what to look out for. So when you're deciding like, okay, so this actually, this is a good example. So one of my clients that I just finished working with, she, when she came to me, she was like, I'm burned out beyond. I think I need to leave my job. I hate my mm -hmm. job. I feel like unsupported. I'm exhausted all the time. I feel like I can't show up for my family. Like, this is terrible. Like, I just, mm -hmm. I need to do something. I need to change. I don't know what it is, but I just, I feel like. Something needs to happen. Something needs to happen. And I think it's that I need to leave my job. She was like, her productivity metrics had gone down. She was really unhappy. She would just come home and be like exhausted all the time. Um, and we were just talking because we just literally finished up last week. She just got a bonus because her metrics doubled in the time that we were working oh together. Gosh. And she was like, you know, this is not, this was never like a job problem. It was that she wasn't asking for what she needed. She was resentful, mm -hmm. but she like hadn't actually like talked to anyone about what the problems were. And in her case, she was lucky enough that she had a receptive like leadership environment that they just were unaware of what the problems were. But with the appropriate scripting, the appropriate boundaries, the appropriate conversations, they actually did implement a lot of changes so that now her job is more satisfying to her and more fulfilling for her so that she can show up perfect. And a lot of it is exactly what you were saying, like where it's like that imposter syndrome and how she was relating to patients and just feeling like she was failing all the time because it's like, well, am I an effective NP? Am I not? Like, what, like, where am I at? She wasn't getting feedback, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, now she has like a plan for getting feedback regularly. She feels more empowered. She's using her voice. Her confidence has grown. She doesn't feel fear walking into her work environment for like, you know, people being like retaliating against her or whatever. But a lot of it comes from, again, taking action on these things. So I think 
step one, if you're not sure, let's say you're burned out. So you're feeling that Mm -hmm. like, not just, oh, I'm tired all the time, but like really, truly like there's exhaustion at a level where your normal um, activities that would re-energize you aren't working. You Mm -hmm. know, you feel that disconnection from your job. Like you feel like, you know, you have those thoughts in your head, like, well, what does it matter anyway? I'm not, I don't, what I, what I do doesn't matter. Like who cares? Mm. Um, that kind of apathy. If you're feeling all of those things, just ask yourself, like, what are the triggers really? Like, where are you feeling disillusioned at work? Like actually sit down and like, write it out. Like, is it the schedule? Is it your workload? Is it unrealistic work expectations? Like, are you expected to see a jillion patients a day and you have zero support? Is it the support? Like, do you have no one to ask questions to? Like some of the people I work with are literally the only clinician in their practice and they have someone Mm. available by phone and they're new. It's like, that's not appropriate at all. You know, is it that you have terrible compensation? Is it that the staffing's terrible? Is it because you are in a like toxic work environment and the front desk people are hate you and they keep filling your schedule and double booking you? Is it like, what is the actual problem? Is it that there's a bunch of like administrative responsibilities and you have no admin time? Is it that you like, what is it? What if it's all of that and they don't know where to start in terms of tackling it? What would be like a good first step to tackle? Well, you'd have to decide what has prior, like where, where's okay. the priority, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like for example, one of my other clients, like for her, it was, she commuted an hour and a half to work every day, each oh way. Oh my God, that's crazy. Oh. And she like, wasn't having time with her kids because she was working, leaving work late because she, there was unrealistic work expectations. It's like, okay, well, where's the low hanging fruit here? Mm. You know, like the commute sucks like she ended up switching jobs and just getting a job with a better commute and she's like for real she drives like 10 minutes and now she's fine she leaves work pretty much on time most days but even if she doesn't she's only 10 minutes away from home Mm. you know so it's like that was a big game changer for her granted her work environment was also pretty toxic like you know she didn't really realize it at the time but like in speaking together it's like that's pretty toxic like they're not supporting you some toxic work environments are fixable where you can advocate for yourself, you know, where you can say like, this isn't working. These are my boundaries, what have you. And again, that's a whole nother like conversation. There's so much scripting that can go surrounding. This is something we spend like an entire week on, if not more in mentorship, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like very effective ways to communicate your needs and your boundaries without becoming a problem. You know, I think we fear that we're going to be like the squeaky wheel or the problem person. And a lot of that also is messaging from the toxic work environment because they want to take that power away from you. Mm. You know, that's actually something that I really admire about your program. I think it's so special about your program is that you offer so much good like scripting affirmations, things like that, because I think a lot of people when they think about like why a work environment isn't working, they don't realize like they can advocate for themselves they don't realize like scripting is something you can be intentional about no yeah you have to be you have to be yeah and knowing people's communication style you know like not everybody communicates the same way and there's Uh a lot of nuances to how to communicate with other people especially if they're like toxic humans (laughs) and always document everything or like management too like I feel like sometimes in certain environments it just feels like the management or the higher ups from what I've like heard from various people in like toxic environments, I've heard like they've been set up in a way to make other people feel powerless. Um, exactly. Compared to but like leadership. Thing, yes. But the thing is like, if, if you're in a, like, to- like for those of you listening, hello, listen up. If you've been tuning out, listen, 
if you're in a toxic work environment where like there's like all the things are there like the gaslighting the exploitation like the unrealistic work expectations the like yes 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 we'll fix that and they don't actually take action on anything the mm -hmm. like you know whatever it may be i have a whole you know freebie on toxic work environments too you can check out it's on my website but if you're in that and it's not working and you've advocated and you've done the thing, you've set the boundaries, you've done your due diligence and it still sucks, you can walk away. You can walk mm -hmm. away and it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean like you're a terrible, whatever your role is. You were set up to fail by a crap work environment and you deserve better than that. And not every environment is gonna be like that. There's a hundred percent better things out there. And if you're in a malignant environment, that is just toxic AF, sometimes you have to walk away. And that is literally the only thing, even if it's a dream job. Like I mm -hmm. literally had a client, she had got her dream, like this academic health center, like amazing wow. place. Yeah. And it was a freaking mess. It was a mess. Like she was miserable, but she's like, but it's this like, but you know, I've got this clout, you know, like I've got, mm. it's like, but for what? <laughs> like, for what? what is it worth? Yeah. And, you know, and now she's totally switched her job and she's so much happier. And it's like, sure, it's not like an academic health center, but she is getting paid more money. She's doing mm. something that she actually wants to do. She's actually leveraging a lot of the skills she had in that other role into this. And they're giving her like more responsibility and more freedom and autonomy because mm. of that. So it's like, you definitely don't know what's out there and like, don't pigeonhole yourself because of other people's expectations of you or fulfilling other people's dreams. It's like, this is your darn life. Like you get to choose how you live it. And you like, if you act based on like what your core values are and what you actually desire, what makes you happy. We have to work a lot of hours, people. Like if you're working like part, full-time, whatever, as a clinician, like you're at work a lot of your life. Something that like we, that maybe like in schooling or something, like something we all need to work on is getting clear on our values though. Because sometimes I feel like what we think we want on paper is not actually what we want at all. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. And that's, again, that's what we do in week one of mentorship is we talk about that. Because if you, if you aren't sure what you're, and it, guys, if you want to DM me, I can walk you through some exercises and questions, but like, mm. there's like, very clear questions you can ask yourself. And these are things that kind of guide our beliefs and our thoughts and our actions and all the things, but like you have to tease out what is actually your value and what is someone else's value. Mm. Like what you think it's like people who, when you vote, they're like, Oh, I voted this person because my uh, parents yeah. voted, you know, my parents yep, vote yeah. that way. It's like, okay, well, but you have like your own, brain like you should yeah be able it's to... like and <laughs> yeah so it's kind of like that where it's like you know sometimes these belief these these beliefs that we have and actually Brene Brown talks a lot about like values I love Brene how... Brown yeah so she's a great resource too and there's actually like you can google like lists of possible values like other people you know just like a list of like and just like circle and just see what like comes up that. for you um but just have it be authentic to you like when you're doing that exercise, don't like, oh, well, you know, like don't judge your, your choices because you can choose without that judgment. Like, cause that's just going to hold you back. And if you aren't making choices that are in alignment with your true core values and what matters to you, you're not going to feel fulfilled. 
because you're living somebody else's dream. You're living somebody under somebody else's sort of feelings and belief patterns. You have to live authentically to you. And there's, you know, there's a lot of great, um, there's a really good, I want to say it was Mel Robbins recently did. I love Mel Robbins. Was it Mel Robbins? There was, I think, I want to say it was her where she did one on like uh, authentic. It was, I think I'm pretty sure it was her. I, th- I think it was, it was yeah. like uh, about authenticity and showing up as your authentic self. And yeah. there's a, a lot to be said for that, but there's so much fear that comes with that, right? There's so much baggage that's there. It's like, am I going to be loved? Am I going right. to be like, are people going to judge me, you know, for right. making these choices? And there's, that tends to keep us playing small, but the reality is that's not, again, is it a feeling or is it fact? It's not true. Mm-hmm. You showing up as your authentic self is why people love you. And it's how we feel fulfilled. And like, that is how we are met. Like nobody else is you. I mean, you know, there's such a Mr. Rogers things to say, but it's like, <laughs> like we all have a secret sauce and whatever that secret sauce is, is what makes us beautiful and magical. And that's why people gravitate to us and want to spend time with us. And that's how we build our confidence and stand tall you know, and not play small and walk in a patient room saying, yeah, I know my shit. Like I got this. You know, because I've had day ones before and I survived and yeah, it's hard, but you know what? I can do hard things. I am very confident in the fact that like, if I don't know, I know how to find the answer. I know who to talk to. I know what my resources are. Like I'm doing the best I can with the resources that I have in this moment. You know, hearing us like talk about this, it actually, to bring it back to like the beginning of the conversation, it makes so much sense now why traditional self-care, the bubble baths and all of that, Mm -hmm. doesn't actually do the thing because like if you are not actually showing up as yourself, then whatever care you do to this like imposter self that you're projecting Mm -hmm. out there isn't really going to hit. It's not really going to scratch the spot. Exactly. And that's, that is exactly why when I designed my mentorship program, half of it is inner work and half of it mm. is like the hard skills, like the boundary setting, the scripting, dealing with toxic work environments, like burnout prevention tools, all the things. But the first part of it is literally about confidence building, inner, like literally who the hell are you? Like, how do you want to yeah. show up in the world? You have to be the thing before you can do the thing to have the other thing. Like you have right. to have that be the being first. And in order to like, truly leave work at work and cut the cord at the end of the day, you have to have an identity outside of your job. Like I remember when I graduated nursing school, I was like, I don't know who the hell I am. Like, that's I don't exactly know. how I feel. It's like, <laughs> what hobbies did I have? Like, hello friends. Who was I Are before? You still around? Like, I don't even know. And it took some time, but again, having the awareness that that's where you're at is huge. And then number two, it's like, cool who the hell am I? And like love on that person. And you know, what are your hobbies? And if you don't know, think about what did I like to do as a kid? Like, did I like creative stuff? Did I like, you know, did I like to climb trees? Okay, cool. Maybe I should try rock climbing. That would be fun as an adult. Like maybe you took, like you love swimming lessons. Maybe like you go join a Y. Maybe like you loved making those stupid rainbow loom things, you know? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like like, maybe the the people holding hands. (laughs) Yes. Like maybe that was your thing. So maybe you try like bullet journaling or go take like an adult ed class to make jewelry or whatever. Like there's so many things, but it's like, we have to, we have to prioritize ourselves and we have to give ourselves permission to be cared for too. Like we are so good at caring for other people, but we have to create space in our lives for ourselves. And that takes intentionality. It takes 
maybe scheduling time for ourselves. And that's where like some self-care does help, right? Because it allows like having hobbies, reading books, like exercise, whatever it is that fills your cup, so to speak, is mm-hmm. a good thing. But that is partnered with this top tier self-care, like the, you know, asking for mm-hmm. what you need, delegating tasks, like saying, no, actually that's not going to work for me, but this would work for me instead you know, using our voices, having those difficult conversations to feel like, again, we are respected, cared for, and that, you know, we, we get to have some say in what we're doing day to day. And yeah, you might meet resistance, but there's compromise, there's more conversation, there's things that can come from it. And if you don't ask, you're never going to get it. Like one of my clients literally just wanted like a desk. That's all she, she was promised a desk when she started her job and it was like six months in she's like, I still don't have my desk and I'm kind of in this corner where there's boxes everywhere. And they said, I'd have a desk. I'm like, did you ask them to for, ask the, for desk? the desk? <laughs> and she's like, well, no, I don't want to like be a, I don't want to be a bother. Uh, I don't want, you know, like this is like yeah. so common, right? This is right. not a, like, I I'm sure I've had those similar thoughts. She asked, they got, they're like, Oh my God, we totally forgot about the desk. Thank you for telling us. Right. We make things, we catastrophize, we make things. And then we like build resentment and frustration around it too. But it's like, just use your freaking voice and ask if they say no, then be like, okay, well, why? Because this was, you know, then there's other conversations that can happen. But a lot of the time, the thing that we're afraid of is actually not that scary. And we just have to Mm. grab our big girl undies and just do the hard thing. And that will help you build your confidence is taking that action and seeing like, wow, I didn't burst into flames. I'm cool. Like I'm respected. Like I made this more of a thing than it actually is. This is actually a great segue into the, our last segment that I wanted to talk about, which is all about like setting boundaries around work, because I feel like, you know, for so long we were rewarded for things like maybe not having boundaries with school. We were rewarded for things like, you know, I almost feel like all of these things that I'm trying to unpack and shed were things that actually got me this far. And now I'm like, oh no, now this is holding me back. Right. So what is something that someone can do today to set better boundaries and, you know, create more time and energy for the things that they do love outside of work? Yeah. Great question. So first I want to say, remember, when you're setting boundaries, they can feel very socially threatening, right? Mm. But the people, and listen carefully, because this is like, this will blow your mind. And it's so true. (laughs) The people that get upset with you, or irritated with you or whatever, mad at you for setting boundaries, are the people in your life or at work that benefit from you not having them. Hmm. So So it doesn't matter. Like your boundaries matter. And if they're pissed, it's because they want to abuse the fact. Yeah, exactly. They want to keep you playing small. So, and we don't have time for that. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't nobody got time to play small. We do not have time for that. Because we got one life to live, people. Um, So with boundaries. So first of all, you want to like know where the heck you need to set a boundary with in the first place. Right? So Mm. one kind of tip is to think about where in your life you feel the most resistance, overwhelm, burnout, what have you. Like when you look at, again, bird's eye view, you're looking at your life. Is it work? Is it home? Is it like your kids? Is it whatever your house response, whatever your parents, where are you feeling overwhelmed, resistance, resentment? Where is it at? Cause that will give you a clue as to where a boundary needs to be set. Then you have to think about like, well, what would a boundary look like? Like, what's the end game here? Like, what do you, what are your needs in this case? So like, let's say it's work and you're like, I'm feeling super overwhelmed at work. Okay. Well, I just, you know, 
I think I want to switch my schedule or, you know, they keep asking me for, um, to take extra shifts. You know, that's a pretty common one. It's like, like mm. they keep texting me, they keep texting me. Um, or like, you know, I get so many emails and it's like such a burden on the weekends, whatever, mm. like think about what a boundary would look like. For example, I took my work email off my phone. I was like, it's gone. There shouldn't be like, of course, this is like case specific, right? There's plenty of people who need to have access to their email on the weekends. Like I don't work on the weekends, so I don't have to be on duty on the weekends. Like I'm not, I don't do call. Like, of course it depends on your role. So this is very Mm -hmm. role specific, but um, maybe it's uh, having a conversation with someone that you work with. Like someone keeps interrupting you while you're trying to chart, for example, you know, Mm. where they're like, oh my God, like I just need to have been, you know, we all have that person who like, wants to come in and like talk to you yeah a boundary in that case could say hey you know Susie like I totally I'm hearing that you're really frustrated I definitely want to like be present for this conversation now's really not a great time can we talk about this at and then give her an option like can I call you after work can we talk about this later today whatever um that's an example of a boundary, right? You don't have to mm. say like, get out of my office, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be mean. Setting boundaries doesn't have no. to be mean. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be a no. It can be a yes and. Like, for example, like they wanted me to cover one of the physicians that I work with when she went out on like a medical thing. And they were like, will you cover all of her stuff? And I was like, sure. Because that is, again, partially my job there is to cover her. But I'm going to need, and I laid out what I was going to need. I'm going to need some like time blocked on my schedule for administrative time to deal with her telephone calls and all the things. I want to have a couple urgent patient slots that we can fill like right before if they don't get filled for things that come up urgently. Like, Mm. you know, I kind of laid, like, and I thought about that ahead of time, right? It's like, you can buy yourself time. So, you know, some kind of, hey, can you do this coverage? You know, let me just actually think about what that looks like. And let me get back to you later today with kind of my idea. Like, sure, I'm willing to do that. But I just want to, like, think about what I'm going to need in order to do that effectively and not feel overwhelmed. And then you can revisit it with the person. Like, you don't have to give people an answer right away. It's like when a friend's like, hey, can you hang out next weekend? And you're like, right. You know, let me check my calendar, get back to you. That can just buy you time. Just having a line that you give people can just buy you some time to actually, like, assess your bandwidth assess your capacity for things like we we tend to you know mix the whole like capability capacity thing like you know you don't have capacity for things beyond a certain point but it doesn't mean you're not capable like you're a very capable Mm. person you're very like good at what you do you're a good friend you're a good partner you're a good mom you're all the things but like you have limits and boundaries are literally just a limit and we have limits because we have limited resources and we're humans And it's about determining where that limit is. And that may shift on any given week because of what you have going on. Like sometimes your bandwidth is like, like this week I'm on vacation. I'm like, I'm feeling good. Yeah. (laughs) Bring it on. You have a vacation glow. It's so beautiful. (laughs) I feel amazing. I took a nap the other day. It was great. Oh my God. It was amazing. But like, there's other weeks where you're like, like your day yesterday where you're like, dude, I have zero to give. Today is not the day for extra. And that's okay too. You know, it's like, I am gonna do the dishes tomorrow I'm gonna fold the laundry tomorrow <laughs> like it is yeah sometimes it's like cool it can wait I think what makes setting boundaries hard sometimes is that setting boundaries initially feels like restriction and like mm-hmm. limiting yourself your productivity all of that but I think that bigger picture when you take that bird's eye view it actually like optimizes your productivity your success 100 
it but it feels like restriction at first but even if it was a restriction like who cares Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's a great question. It's like, why is restriction bad then? Right. Like, like what is this? What am like, I telling where is myself? That coming like, from? Am I not worthy then if I'm producing right. less or you know? So whatever. that messaging is something to work through because that in and of itself is like, well, okay, so you are putting a limit on something and a limit on mm. the, like the time that you are available for something. Okay, I'm sure you've read about or heard about like neuroplasticity and like the rewiring mm. of thought patterns and things. It's like, you know, stroke victims post stroke, how they can rewire circuitry to then have functionality in ways that they didn't have before. Um, mm-hmm. It's the same thing with our thought patterns. The path of least resistance right now for many of us, especially when we're new grads, is shame, guilt, imposter, I'm not good enough, I suck, what the hell am I doing here? All the things. That is the path of least resistance that those thought patterns are like a well-worn trail. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. So it takes intentionality to take out your machete and blaze a new trail in the direction of something more empowering. And it will be hard at first. It's going to feel weird at first because right. It's a, it's a trail through the woods that you haven't gone before, but once Mm -hmm. you, that's the path of least resistance. You see the worn trail ahead of you. You don't need your machete anymore. You can just walk it and you look at that other trail on the other side and it's all overgrown. So you can shift those thought patterns, but it takes awareness around the fact that you have thought patterns that aren't serving you unpacking where they're coming from. And again, this is something like we work through. It's actually my favorite week in mentorship. It's we talk through like a lot of our limiting beliefs and where they're coming from and like really deep into like deep dive into it. And then we have this, way that we kind of move through them. I'm so glad you went down the path that you went down because you were just helping so many people out there. So leave everyone, you know, your email, your contact, where they can find you, where they can sign up for your amazing program. And yeah. Yeah. So um, my Instagram is catalyst for self-care. So that's where I hang out and crank out the most like, you know, content about tools, tips, tricks, all the things. There's a whole guide on there about like affirmations. There's actually one pinned to the top about post shift affirmations you can check out. Um, there's a ton of freebies on my website. Like there's literally so many. So if you go to www.selfcarecatalyst.com and go to resources, there's a jillion of boundary resources, affirmate, like literally you name it, it's there. Um, there's a post shift reflection tool. I would recommend that's like my most popular download. And it's one that I used for years. I would highly recommend you guys to check that out. Um, and spend like literally two, three minutes after your shift doing that, that exercise, um and mentorship so there's a ton of information about mentorship on the website um we're actually going to be enrolling like soon in the next couple weeks um but we do it a few times a year it's honestly magical i love it so much um and there's a ton of info about it on my website and you can join the waitlist there or you can um shoot me an email at selfcarecatalyst.gmail.com awesome thank you so much for your time today diana it was so helpful (laughs) I am so glad. It was so fun. I love talking about it. And I love spending yeah. time with you. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It's likewise. Um, thank you so much for everyone for listening. That's all we have for today. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.